big to ride this ride. What? Hey, I don't make the rules. Next. Next. Well, it's a stupid rule. Look, why don't you try to kitty with it? See you, Josh. Twelve seconds later. Make my wish. Yeah. I wish I were big. This doesn't happen. You don't just come to a meeting and say, bugs. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. Another week, another banger. Oh, yes. Joining me for banger season, and as always, my co-host, Jim. I almost called us like, you know that movie, The Banger Sisters? We're yeah. Like the Banger Brothers. Okay. That's a little... That's cool. A little weird. I am Kevin. Again, that's my co-host, Jim. Hi. This week's banger, 1988 fantasy comedy, Big. That we've talked about for years, though. Directed by Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall, a well-known actress in her own regard, but as a director, her films include Jumpin' Jack Flash, which with Jim's girl. 87 Whoopie, baby. Awakenings, A League of Their Own, Renaissance Man, The Preacher's Wife, and Riding in Cars with Boys. Uh, okay. That was my Penny Marshall. Uh, okay, okay. Big is a movie about a kid who makes a wish to be big and wakes up in an adult's body overnight with David Moscow playing young Josh, Tom Hanks playing adult Josh. Since Josh is a kid in an adult's body. In each scene, Penny Marshall would have David Moscow perform the scene, and then Tom Hanks would copy David's performance. That's smart. That's really smart. That's really brilliant. So that's how they did that. It's a PG movie that says the F word, sharing that distinction with Spaceballs. Can't think of the F word in Spaceballs. I can't either. Caddyshack 2. <laughs> we covered that one. That whole movie's an F word. Yeah. And Beetlejuice. Also can't think of the F word. Oh, nice, nice fucking, fucking mo model. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll have to think about it with baseballs. There is a two hour and 10 minute cut of Big that includes scenes with Billy's mom. You bastard. What did you do to my son? I am your son, mom. Where is my mom. child? Mom. Where is mom. my son? Mom. Extended scenes of Josh playing the Cavern of the Evil Wizard, which do you need more? Melt Wizard. You were standing in the cavern of the evil wizard all around you the carcasses of slain ice dwarves melt melt wizard that two hour 10 minute cut does not include is the big folklore or i should say the big folklore the folklore directly surrounding big which the long rumored conspiracy which back then like reddit and stuff didn't exist but the conspiracy theory that a scene actually exists where susan follows through with josh's suggestion and makes a wish on zoltar to be a little girl so she can be with josh's kids oh honestly so what would happen would like mrs baskin adopt her <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean that? that's why I'm like, it seems like such an easy conspiracy theory to squash because oh it makes God. no sense. Just think about it. So we see the final scene of, you know, she smile and give him a little head nod and he walks away as he becomes a kid again. Weapon, if he stops, she gets out of the car, starts walking, and then she becomes a kid. Oh, no. Then you have an abandoned car littering the street. I, Mrs. Baskin, I want so, you to meet my so friend. There's so many weird things about that that I just don't want to go into, but it would have been super weird. So, Jim, we did not get the extended cut, but please let us know how the regular cut did by giving us budget box office along with news and number ones at time of release. 
WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. Big came out June the 3rd, 1988 to an $18 million budget and made $152 million at the box office. It's going to be interesting good. during banger season because yeah. these are all movies we consider bangers. Exactly. So to see how they stacked up as far as audiences go. Well, we saw last week with The Running Man, there was not much of a difference. There was no. 27 to 38. This one, we got 18 to 152. Kevin, in this movie, we see the amazing toy store known as FAO Schwartz. Yep. Rest in peace, just like our beloved Toys R Us. The top toy in 1988 that sold at FAO Schwartz, and it was featured in this movie, weirdly enough, Photon. Introducing the ultimate game on planet Earth, Photon. Now you can hear and see what he's hit electronically. The one and only Photon! He's beaten! It's the ultimate challenge of the ultimate game, Photon! The laser tag rival okay. game. I remember there was that big divide. Like you had Nintendo and you had Sega. This you had laser tag branded stuff, which I had as a kid. And then the rich kid across the street had Photon. I didn't have any of that stuff. I just had the laser tag, which is weird. Having my 66 year old grandfather run around the house with laser tag paraphernalia on, <laughs> which rest in peace, pop. I love you. Kevin. Also, for the first time, the VCR is present in over 50% of American homes as they flock to national video for guaranteed a better buy. With video. Movies that we have covered, ironically enough, Kevin. Can't Buy Me Love. Okay. The Running Man. Okay. Adventures in Babysitting. Great. No Way Out with Kevin Costner, which cool. is one of my favorites. And of course, the Martin Short, Dennis Quaid, Meg Ryan classic, Inner Space. Nice. Love Inner Space. We're going to get to that one eventually, too. And Kevin, we talked about this on the way home from golf. The number one selling video game in June of 1988, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Kid Dynamite. Power, power, power. Now, you are playing with power. Punch out by Nintendo. Eleven world-class contenders. Take them down with your controller, beat them all, and you've got a shot at Tyson's title. Power. But for that, you've got to beat Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's Punch Out from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. That's right. We talked about this in the car on the way from golf because we just got done golfing. If it wasn't for Mike Tyson's punch out on NES, nobody would know that his first nickname was Kid Dynamite because yeah. everybody knows him as Iron Mike Tyson. But nice. Kid Dynamite. Into the news, Kevin. Speaking of Shidoshi, Bloodsport has its world premiere in Germany. Auf oh. Deutsch. We also talked about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, sweet. Wow. <laughs> we're, we're hitting it right out of the park. Here's some weird news for you, Kevin. You might get a kick out of this. The world's then largest sausage was mm. completed at 13 and an eighth miles long. So you had a 13 mile long sausage was made. Whoa. Ugh. Was it like a regular girth sausage that was 13 miles? I don't know. Like a rope? I don't know if it was a big girth or I'm thinking it was a single linked long sausage in a massive casing. Sausage. Sausage. Pack your machines and go home. <laughs> Good That's how Dave Navarro, Dave Navarro and Ink Master, there's that tattoo artist named Sausage, but Dave Navarro said it like it was spelled S-O-S-S-I-T-C-H. Sausage. 
I'll never forget Ink Master. I'm like, first off, it's a tattoo artist named Sausage. Yeah. All right, I'm already questioning things, but when you can't pronounce the word sausage, sausage, Dave, sausage. Kevin, I don't know if you remember this or not. We were children. Sausage. That sounds like a band. Price is Right, led by Bob Barker. The model on the show, Janice Pennington, is knocked out by a television camera while filming yeah, the episode. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, here's the thing about Janice Pennington. If you look on YouTube, she ran a car into the wall. She got hit by one of those, like, you know that train they would have, the choo-choo train with all the thing? Got hit by the train. I love it. She got hit by so much shit on so that show. So they should bring back, like, some slapstick, like, physical comedy on Price is Right. I think it's different now because you found out, like, all the sexual harassment stuff that Bob Barker yeah. did, which doesn't surprise me. But Janice Pennington fucking went like through the, war uh, for that show. The wheel spins off its axis and <laughs> runs through the crowd. I will say one thing about Price is Right that I totally appreciate they still use the original wheel they never nice. changed it's like a digital wheel it's still the same old they have wheel, a but, wheel repair guy but He's, price is right is different now because ever since covid it's spaced out differently there's not really I, a massive audience I anymore I, yeah, I haven't stayed home from school in a long time so i, can tell <laughs> I really need to start last, skipping school last again time i watched it also kevin we also celebrated the birthday recently of one mr yeah Stuart scott yep. and in tribute let's throw it over to Stuart scott for sports they made me an offer i can't refuse hey, hey 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 watch where you're going and keep your head in the game sports center right about now hi again sports center bringing it alongside rich eisen i'm Stuart scott Kevin, you're not going to believe this, but this was in my notes as well. And what was dubbed Super Fight 88? Mike Tyson knocks out Michael Spinks in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and defends the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. Steffi Graf wins the Steffi Graf won the French Open six love six love that six oh six oh to you non tennis fans in thirty two whopping minutes. Wow, hell yeah, Kevin, you'll appreciate this. Kurt Loder is going to tell us this a little bit. Hi, I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. Because we did one of our best episodes ever, Swim Meet Series on We Are the World, Freedom Fest, an anti-apartheid benefit in Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday tribute concert addressing his continued imprisonment, included performers Whitney Houston, Phil Collins, Dire Straits, Stevie Wonder, Tracy Chapman, Miriam Makeba, Nusu Endor, Peter Gabriel, Al Green, Joan Armatrading, Jesse Norman, Annie Eurythmics, and Wembley Stadium in London. Broadcast to 67 countries with an estimated audience of 600 million. I don't remember it. I never remember. Until I, mean, I was researching this, I'm like, this might. Everybody knows Live Aid. Everybody knows like. But yeah, but not that one. Freedom Fest, uh -uh. which is weird. But if it had that much I of a viewership. I remember Freedom Fries. I remember that. <laughs> Fucking goddamn French. They can't help us. Change every fucking French. Do you want French dressing? No, I want freedom dressing. Freedom dressing. It's not orange. I want red, white, and blue dressing. I don't know what the blue would be. Berry, ranch, and ketchup. Oh, no. Do it right. Speaking of somebody that does it right, Knife, number one movie, Crocodile Dundee Part 2. Unbelievable that that was the number one movie. First off, never saw the first one. Never really? saw the second one. I'm good. Yeah, you're probably good. I'm beyond good. The number one song in America, Kevin, did not expect this on June the 3rd, 1988. One More Try by George Michael. Love that song.
But Kevin, that's all that was going on on June the 3rd, 1988. All right. So Big was the first time a female director made a movie that grossed over $100 million at the box office. So congratulations to Penny Marshall on that. I didn't bring it up. This movie was offered to a bunch of different directors who all turned it down. So Penny Marshall kind of like defaulted into it, but great for her because... Talk about falling into a big thing, man. Awesome. Literally a big thing. Let's wish into the plot. Listen, what are you trying to do? Get us all fired? Huh? Gotta slow down. Pace yourself. Slowly. Slowly. Slow. Sorry. Today's my first day. I know. Our movie starts with 12-year-old Josh Baskin wanting to ride a carnival ride called Super Loops because he thinks it will impress a girl. Listen, that fucking ride is at every fair. Never ride that ride. Don't do it. He's too short. He takes his dejected self to a fortune teller coin-op machine called Zoltar and makes a wish to be big. Very vague, because he could have ended up on TLC's My 600 Pound Life. (laughs) It's not just vague. That Zoltar machine was out in the middle of nowhere. It was unplugged. It was unplugged, too. The next morning, Josh wakes up as an adult. He goes back to try and find the machine, but the carnival is gone. He goes home as an adult and tries to explain to his mom, who believes this is a man who has kidnapped her son. He manages to convince his best friend, Billy, of the truth. Together, Josh and Billy learn that they won't be able to go to the Zoltar machine for six weeks. So Josh gets a job and data entry at at McMillan Toy Company, and he rents an apartment. I don't want to stay here by myself. I can't help it, Josh. They gotta be home by 10. Look, I'll cut classes tomorrow. We'll find that Zoltar thing before you know it, okay? Just one night. All right? All right. Good. What if I can't sleep? It's probably better if you don't. See you in the morning. Well, you know, like what time? 8.30. I use a chain if I were you. Josh impresses Mr. McMillan, the owner, with his knowledge of toys, which gets him invited to a pitch meeting with executives. Robert Loja. His performance in the meeting gets Josh promoted to vice president of product <sighs> development. It's unreal. Check Mattel. Nothing. Time now to check the day's business news. Coleco. Zero. You can't come from nowhere, Susan. He has to come from somewhere. How about Hasbro? Yes, and Fisher-Price and Worlds of Wonder. I have called everywhere. Nobody's ever heard of him. Great. Let's face it, Paul. The guy comes from data processing. He begins what we'll loosely call a romantic relationship with his co-worker, Susan Lawrence. Pick one. They glow in the dark compass ring. So you won't get lost. Before long, Josh loses sight of what it's like to be a child. Billy tells Josh that Zoltar is now at Seapoint Park. He walks out of a presentation to go. Susan follows, realizing when he told her that he was a kid because he tried to own up to it, he was telling the truth. She takes him to his house and he transforms into a child before reuniting with his family. Let's get into characters. Also, Kevin, before you get into characters real quick, if you were a kid and you wish to be big, would you also, the first move you do in the morning is look at the size of your dick? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the right move. 
like, whoa, look at this thing. <laughs> well, it's there's the whole weird scene, which I mean, it's not really best scenes. We'll get into it maybe in a minute. But like the weird thing is like when he first wakes up and like he sees himself in the mirror, but he ch- tries to put on his clothes. Yeah, he puts on He-Man underwear. He does. All right. So let's get into characters. Tom Hanks as Joshua Josh Baskin. Hanks was the studio's first choice, but he could not initially take the role because of scheduling conflicts with both Dragnet and Punchline. Penny Marshall's first choice was John Travolta. Whoa. But the studio referred to him as, quote, box office poison. What, after Look Who's Talking? Probably. Was it after Look Who's Talking? I think so, yeah. Robert De Niro was offered the role, but he wanted $6 million. Wait, Robert De Niro would have been Josh Baskin. This movie only exists because of Robert De Niro. Holy shit. Because no one wanted to make this movie, but somehow Robert De Niro read the script and he was all in. Robert De Niro wanted to play Josh Baskin. How interesting would that have been? Very weird. But he wanted $6 million. The studio said no. So then Tom Hanks managed to work it out and he signed on for $2 million. Guys, trust me. Volunteers is going to make money. It's going to happen. So at one point, Steven Spielberg was attached to direct, but his sister wrote the screenplay. So he didn't want to overshadow her because like if Spielberg took over, he just didn't want to step on his sister's toes. When Spielberg was signed on to direct his choice for Josh Baskin, Harrison Ford. Jesus. You're right, Bran. Steven Spielberg didn't cover my house, use the bathroom, but his sister did. Yeah, there you go. On this podcast, we've heard some pretty awful examples of producers being racist. Oh, horribly. Like when Halle Berry wasn't cast in Broken Arrow because there aren't any black park rangers. Still blows my mind. In my opinion, this one takes the cake, and I'm already kind of laughing. I feel bad. It's so racist. I probably shouldn't even give this anecdote on the podcast. Andy Garcia read for the role. The studio execs said, quote, they didn't want to spend $18 million for a kid to grow up to be a Puerto Rican. Jesus fucking Christ. End quote. Andy Garcia is Cuban. (laughs) So that's even worse. Yeah, that's even cultural appropriation. How bad is that? We have a lot more. So we've done this game before for the role of big Josh Baskin, large Josh Baskin. You tell me yay or nay to the rest. All right. Also considered Robin Williams. I would like that. He did it in Jack. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did. Dennis Quaid. No. Albert Brooks. I love Albert Brooks, but that wouldn't fit. No. Jeff Bridges. No. Judge Reinhold. Maybe. Yeah. Sean Penn. No. They really liked, but he was too young at the time. Warren Beatty. No. Michael Keaton. I would like to see Michael Keaton. Bill Murray. Too old. John Goodman. No. Kid would have to be a big boy. Yeah, right? Yeah, big boy. Steve Gutenberg. I'd like the Goots. Yes. I, I would totally go so Steve good. Goon. Look how good he did in Three Men and a Baby. My favorite one. He did not get to play this Joshua, but he played Mr. Joshua. No fucking way. Gary Busey. Busey. No way. That dude burned his hand with a cigarette. No, he burned it with a lighter, not a cigarette. I just. Wow. I like, I want to see it with Gary Busey, but. Him sitting in the. I don't get it. (laughs) A bug that turns into a transformer. Uh, (laughs) Fucking do it. David Moscow is young Josh. Elizabeth Perkins is Susan Lawrence. Deborah Winger was originally considered. She was pregnant. Totally could see that. She actually is the one to suggest Elizabeth Perkins. Meg Tilly auditioned with Robert De Niro. Another big, so uh, big show. She color. must have been like in serious consideration because yeah. De Niro was their guy and she got to audition with De Niro. So All right. that must have been the original pair. Robert Loja is Mr. McMillan or Macmillan yeah. as they answer the phone. Macmillan, toys, may I help you? 
John Hurd is Paul Davenport. Excellent. John Lithgow is considered. The alternate actors for this are pretty spot on. Pretty great, right? Jared Rushton is Billy Francis Capecchi. John Lovitz is Scotty Brennan. Can do without John Lovitz. Mercedes Rule as Mrs. Baskin. Josh Clark as Mr. Baskin. Deborah Joe Rupp as Miss Patterson. And there's a mystery until today about who played Josh's baby sister, Rachel. Not credited in the end credits and no one knows. Really? So some random baby was just in this movie. Kevin Costner. (laughs) It was. Which actor or actress gives a past performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? I think for me, this was easy slam dunk. Billy Capecchi. How about a delivery man? I don't know how to drive. Yeah, right. Cardiological technician, clerical transcriber. Go on now, Colin. Collection agent, company clerk, computer operator, instruction agent. Computer operator. Computer operator, read that one. Josh, will you quit with your stupid computer? Just read it. <sighs> Millen toys. Toys. Yeah, he's great. He is, once again, a lot of movies that we have covered. I like to pick the voice of reason. No matter what, Billy helps steal money out of his parents' drawer to put Josh, granted it's a slum apartment, but pays for rent for him. (laughs) He's always there when Josh needs him and gives him a reality check. He's like, listen, you're falling in love with this adult. You're not an adult. You're a fucking kid. Yeah. Reality man. I mean, I so love Josh. Don't get me wrong, but Billy. Those, he's one of those people that popped up in like everything for a while. Pet Cemetery 2. Oh, yeah. Cry in the Wild, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Big Lady in White, Overboard. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in Japan was called Micro Kids, just in case uh, anybody needed a fun fact. You're here, a micro card. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Inside, inside joke. Ask us about it sometime if you see us out. Pool Sinners, there's something you might not know about me. If Robert Loja appears, I'm picking Robert Loja. Oh, bye. So far. Robert Loja as Mr. McMillan. Fucking awesome. You work for me, don't you? Yes. I thought so. What, are you here with your kids? No. I was just looking around. Me too. I come here every Saturday. I can't see this on a marketing report. What's a marketing report? Exactly. Come on. But even though you said you could do without him, I think John Lovitz makes the most of his few scenes. Oh, I fucking hate John that Lovitz. scene when when Josh me. first starts work. Yeah, where he bitches about he's like one hundred eighty seven dollars. Yeah. He's like, they, yeah, they really raked this over the coals. You see, coals you see that lady in the red dress? Say hello to her and she'll wrap your legs around you so tight. And Josh says, well, I'll stay away from her then. I'm going to stay away from her. <laughs> he has that look on his face. Yeah, it's so good. First off, let's also with Loja. Loja just came off being a bad guy and over the top yeah. right into this as a weird toy executive. An evil grandpa followed by toy executive. Yeah. He needed Terry Funk in this to be his assistant. It's like <laughs> his henchman assistant. All right, let's talk about some best scenes. Jim, you go ahead and start us off. All right, real simple. She fucked the kid. Yeah, she literally can't sugarcoat it, everybody. She knew she he was infantile. He admitted to her that 
I'm not really an adult. I'm an actual kid. She still went through with having sex with him. Well, she didn't know he was a kid when she had sex with him. But at the end, when she sees him transform, yeah. which I would love to have seen a transformation process. Yes. There, yeah, there's a lot of logic uh, stemming around there. A ton. But you would think as he's walking away and becomes a kid, she would be repulsed. She looks down, though. She looks down, and when she looks back up, he's a kid. But yeah, she had sex with a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't care how big his dick the weird was scene, as a kid. Then seemed weird because originally in the script, it was written for them to kiss. She put the kibosh on that and said, I kiss him on the forehead because if she knew he was a kid and still kissed him and she tells him, I'm really going to miss you. And it's like, you, at this point, you know, he's a kid. Yeah, she knew. So I have heart and soul on the floor piano in the toy store. Iconic. <laughs> One of the most iconic movies, like scenes in anything. So basically, Josh is at the FAO Schwartz toy store, just fucking around. The owner comes in, Mr. McMillan, which I think they're pawning off FAO Schwartz. I don't know that they really want you. Like, you see it, some of it. So I don't really know if they want you to know it's an FAO Schwartz. But basically, Mr. McMillan's in there to see his toys. I mean, at the time, it was the only toy store in Times Square. So he's in there to see his toys. And Josh is in there just playing. He's playing with the the laser tag. Yeah, playing Photon. and, And he's screwing around. So him and Mr. McMillan do like a whole walk and talk thing until Josh accidentally steps on this floor piano. And he starts playing and Mr. McMillan gets on with them. They play heart and soul chopsticks. I learned how to play both after I saw the scene as a kid. Get a big uh, crowd reaction. It is, it's truly like it's, you'll see it on any list of iconic movie moments. I don't think that that floor keyboard was going to be a permanent fixture. And then that movie took off. I think they kept it all the way till the end of FAO Schwartz. So my next one, adult Josh, when he finally transforms, he runs the school and then he goes up to Billy and he's like, Billy, it's Josh. And he thinks he's a creepy dude trying to kidnap him. But then the yeah. only way for Josh to convince Billy is they sing the space ghost. Oh! The space goes down, down, baby, down, down the roller coaster. Sweet, sweet, baby, sweet, sweet, don't let me go. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa bar, shimmy, shimmy, rock. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa bar, shimmy, shimmy, rock. I'm at a girlfriend, a trisket. She said a trisket, a biscuit, ice cream, soda, pop, no, Ooh, Shalita, walked down the street, ten times a week. I'm in, I said it, I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool, I'm hot, suck you in the stomach three more times. Terrible. 
Yeah, Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa yeah, Pop. Shimmy, Shimmy, I literally Cocoa have that. That's the next thing I was going to yeah. say. So Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop rap, which I think Tom Hanks introduced to this movie as like a thing. But yeah, it's just used so well because like it's used one to see kids, yeah. you know, to see the spirit of what 12 year old boys are like. Like both of these guys played on the Duke's baseball yeah, team. They have, yeah, they have this handshake and a dance to it mm. and all the motions to Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop. And you see it in the opening scenes. And then exactly when Josh gets turned into an adult it's weird because it's like an adult is in the room with him yeah. and he acts like and he locks the door yeah, which right. i totally get why billy would think yes. this guy is gonna do something yeah to me. so billy's like terrified like something's gonna happen He's screaming for his screaming, teacher and then he sings the song and he starts to mouth the the words to it because he knows that he's telling the and truth. And he did the hand thing that they always yeah. did too. Yep. Is that a genuine song or did they make it up for this movie? It is a version of a genuine okay. song. It's I always like a, wondered. It's an old like uh, jump rope song, but okay. I think it's like a modified version of the old Makes jump, sense. jump rope song. Another thing to mention about the heart and soul uh, floor piano, they reference it in the movie I like to watch at Christmas every year the night before okay. with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen they go in the toy store and they play the floor piano as part of their Christmas routine every year not a best scene I mean it is because it's a it's great filmmaking but not like happy like yeah I love it but the things that really add to this movie are the ones like when Josh is big his first night at the same St. James Motel and he cries <laughs> himself to sleep because you gotta think yeah. he's 12 years old he's frightened he's hearing gunshots he's hearing, and all the fighting and like he's alone. yelling in spanish he's alone and it's like it makes perfect sense a 12 year old boy figuring out how to be an adult but then you see him get like quickly desensitized yes. to everything and then the other one is the genius thing they did was to continue checking in on his mom let me talk to josh oh he can't come to the phone right now why not why not what did you do to him? Oh, i didn't do anything to him i think he's a terrific kid i want proof that he's all uh, all right. Um, ask me something that, that, that only he would know. Then I'll ask him for you, and that way you'll know that he's okay. Ask him what I used to sing to him when he was a little boy. Isn't there something else that you'd rather ask him? That... Ask him. I got it. I got it. Memories. Because, like... I feel like in other movies that would have a premise, like, cause this premise is flimsy. It is. A kid makes a wish on a machine and it turns him into an adult. So most movies like this would just like not even consider who like his parents, the and feelings, stuff. but like his mom thinks he's been kidnapped by who is a, a adult Josh. Well, his face is on milk cartons. Yeah. So then he calls his mom at one point and his posing mom, like the kidnapper. Yeah, yes. Posing like the kidnapper calls him from work. So those scenes to me just add this, this layer underneath. Like I agree. It's not all just fun and toys and a kid being an adult and like, you know, eating a bunch of whipped cream and the silly string and all that. It's truly like for everyone else, it fucks their world up. I totally agree. So my next one is when Josh goes to the big company party yep. dressed in a white leisure suit. Me and you are right on the same page today. <laughs> Glad you could make it. Bet he gets another raise. Now that's what I call a tuxedo. I rented it. This is a real bow tie, though. I tied it myself and everything. That's why it was late. No, not late at all. Uh, come on, let me show you around. Hey, this was Princeton. Hi. This is a guy from the meeting. Hi. 
it's so incredible. Not only it's like a rhinestone. It's a rhinestone, like almost leisure suit. Everyone laughs. He's like the butt of everybody's jokes. Paul fucking despises him because yeah. Susan just likes him, which it's so odd that a girl like her, very prissy, very corporate, would like a guy like him. You gotta love the scene where he eats caviar and yeah. then he's wiping it off his tongue. Oh, that's so funny. And she's like, do you want to leave? And then he gets in the limo. He doesn't know how to act. But then again, if you're a kid in a limo, you're going to act oh, the same yeah. way. Yeah, he's standing out the, the top. He's turning the radio on. And then when they go back to his loft, she's blown away because all she sees is a bunk bed, a pinball machine, a giant trampoline, and she doesn't know how to take it. First off, you think red flags will go up. But she sees him just like a guy that never grew up and is genuine to his kid's self. And which is so funny because then when she breaks up with Paul, she says, he's an adult. <laughs> no, is, he's not. Which is funny. You did not mention when he eats the mini corn, but eats it like corn on the like, cough. <laughs> Now, when you were younger and you saw Big, yeah. did you ever try to eat mini corn like corn on a cob? Because I know I no, did it. Really? No. Mini corn is like frightening. It's weird. I mean, it is like a very strange concept to just make this tiny it's little shaped corn. Yeah. No, that's I. we pretty much covered the same bases. So I got one more. Okay, go ahead. It is when they're in the meeting and they're coming up with these new toy ideas. One where they basically come up with the transformer. Yeah. And it's a transformer that turns into a building. Yeah. And when Josh raises his hand, he's like, there's a million robots that turn into something. And this is a building that turned into a robot. So what's fun about playing with a building? That's not any fun. This is a skyscraper. Well, couldn't it be like a, a, a robot that turns into, into something like a, like a bug or something? A bug? Yeah. Like a big prehistoric insect with maybe like giant claws that could pick up a car and, and crush it like that. <laughs> a prehistoric transformer? Interesting. Gentlemen, if you... So the robot turns into a bug. Ah, uh, gentlemen, oh, listen, listen, listen to him. just got a very good idea yeah. here. The robot turns into a bug. Oh, this yeah. is a great yeah. idea. Someone's what? a water bug? Oh, Different sizes Absolutely. and things. Susan, and, and we could do ladybugs. You could have them hey, wreck the, buildings. Transformers for girls. A building is an earth yeah. bug. Yeah. It's got all kinds of possibilities. Transformer turns into a building. Nobody's going to want to play with a building. They want a transformer that, I don't know, uh, turns into something like a bug. And then Paul, just so fucking yeah. irate. It's like a bug. And he's like, yeah. And then Robert Lozier just sits back. And oh, they all love everything. it. Everybody loves it. And then when him and Susan are going out to the limo. Oh, oh, he is vicious. It's not vicious. Oh, come on, Susan. Don't kid yourself. That man is a killer. All he said was he didn't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, going for the throat, trying to eviscerate me. See the look on McMillan's face? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it. He doesn't get it back. I fucking love that scene. Yeah. John Hurt is so good in this movie. Well, Robert Lozier's watching Josh like you'd watch your grandkid. Like yeah. he's watching him play. It's like a proud grandpa. A, yeah, he's getting a kick out of it. But it's funny because when he says that about just like off the top, he's just off the cuff. He says... They turn into bugs and the one guy's like, wait a minute, prehistoric transformer. Yeah, and he's like, that is, and they all just start running with it. And they love the idea. Which blows my mind. Even if this isn't in this universe, like our universe, transformers fucking already out. Yeah. So it's, well, they mention it. They yeah. say we're getting killed by transformers and go bots. Exactly. So why the fuck would you want a robot that turns into a built? <laughs> it's so stupid. The arms keep market? coming off and it's huge. How could you market that? That is like, the father that left you when you were a kid yeah. and sent you an eighth birthday gift when you're 27. It's 
<laughs> That's a weird analogy, but sure. Whoever wrote that is a like, perfect. Excellent. It is the perfect thing to make fun of. Like, what's a really dumb idea, a toy idea we can come up with? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So speaking of toys, there is uh, not a pool in this movie. I'm surprised that Josh doesn't go swimming at some point in this movie. I'm shocked because there's pools nearby. You're in New York City. Yeah. So I think it's only time for us to get on a trampoline. <laughs> Toys, this is a free-for-all, a chance for us to talk toys. So favorite toys, best toys, we're going to just fucking talk toys. So we're going to pick it in the standard yeah. format, like we pick five each, but I'm sure we can oh, leave we it can a bit go open. Off. It's a coof. Jim, I want you to go ahead and go first. Okay, so I'm going to go with my number five. These are all toys that I got as a kid that always stick in my mind. So after I saw the movie Rad, I wanted a BMX bike. So my mom took me to Toys R Us. I am featured in the November 13th, 1987 edition of the Tribune Chronicle. There's a picture of me. Go find your microfiche machine. Yeah. Look me up. Kids they don't know what that is. Exactly. They spelled November wrong if in the caption. scroll fast enough, it's like, uh, it's like analog TikTok. Pretty much. It is. It's pre-TikTok. Kids, go to pre-TikTok. Find me November 13th, 1987, Tribune Chronicle, Warren, Ohio. It's me holding a Huffy Sigma BMX. Gray BMX, white rims. I used to do jumps in front of my house. And by jumps, I'm not talking a <laughs> ramp. It was a piece of elevated sidewalk that made it seem like to me I was jumping 100 feet. Oh, yeah. Sure. Like doing flatline stuff like Crew Jones. So my Huffy Sigma, I would love to get this bike again. It'd probably be very uncomfortable to ride, but it holds a special place in my heart. I'm surprised you don't have it. What, a Huffy Sigma? Yeah. You like, know what's crazy how much that's going for I now? I bet, Jeez. but I'm just surprised that like your parents didn't keep it. And... I think it was one of those things where my mom was... you seem to have like everything else that you had as a kid, mostly. I will totally admit I was super spoiled to the point where if I just went to a toy store and pointed, somehow I'd get <laughs> for Christmas. You got like a shopping spree every time. You well, you know, I look back on it now and not knowing how much my mom struggled and like busted her ass multiple jobs. I did not get much for Christmas, but number five on my list. I didn't really need to say that. I don't know why. <laughs> well, what do you want to give Santa? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number five, Lego. Hell yeah. So lots of blocks, but none like Lego, whether freestyle or building a set, just a blast to play with. You can spend like hours. Make but, your own shit. But part of the fun of, of Lego, because Legos is not a correct plural pronunciation. No. It's not supposed to be a thing. Legos is not supposed to be a thing. It's just plural is Lego. So when I play with Lego, part of the fun's dumping them out and searching for the pieces you need. I don't know why you're, I thought you were going to say dumping them out and have people not knowingly walk <laughs> on them like an asshole. There was a party one time at this, uh, at this house and, uh, you know, everybody's kind of like, you know, was, you know young yeah. college age, like hookup type of party. The one person's house, we were at his little brother's room. There's this big pile of Legos. <laughs> and I remember walking <laughs> across a pile of Legos. Legos awful. But yeah, the, part of the fun is, is searching for the pieces you need i saw they're just they're releasing an atari 2600 set looks it awesome looks awesome i 
had to look at the picture multiple times before I realized I'm looking at the Lego yeah. set. I thought I was looking at like a real Atari 2600. I love that Nintendo set too. Yeah, the Nintendo awesome. one. Because it comes with the T, it's a yeah. TV. Oh, it's so, so good. Lego sets are so fucking That's expensive. That's the problem. Is like, you know, I grew up with a giant crate full of Legos we dump out. Now I'm like, how much? That's like yeah. $7,000. Make this Lego. $400 Formula One car. Meanwhile, as a six-year-old me, I literally took the square blocks and stacked them up seven and put two fucking wheels on. I'm like, there's a car. Yeah. You just accumulate like pieces and parts. And remember when, uh, happy meals. Oh yeah. would have Lego, little Lego car, Lego Mm -hmm. something. That was always neat. That was the best. My number four, when I was growing up, there was nothing I loved more. And I still have them to this day playing GI Joe's in the bathtub, reenacting Vietnam. Wow. Cause I was, I remember I got in trouble once I was, uh, six five or six years old took all of my gi joes and as a kid it was to the point i was in the bathtub so long i turned into a fucking prune yeah i took a red marker into the bathtub mm. and i literally played war i grabbed a pair of scissors i cut the rubber band so there'd yeah. be bodies floating blood all over the face there'd be blood on the walls oh, and i'll never forget my grandfather stormed in and said jamie what are you doing i'm like papa Vietnam and I poured uh-huh. towards the wall. All right. So I used to have such a thing with my grandfather, me and him playing GI Joe's in like the living room. And so two questions. One, did you always do the repair jobs where you'd mix someone else's legs with somebody else's torso? I, no, I never did. I would always like have a GI Joe break or something. And then to save it. So you're not down one. You just like take someone else's legs because literally they were attached. There'd be like a hook attached yeah. to the torso. And then you put the rubber band up through the legs and then you just just hook the rubber See, band. See, I never was that creative about fixing them. I would just twist them till they broke. Okay. It's like an asshole. And then what uh, What were some of your favorite G.I. Joe's? I love the Cobra Twins. It was these, some Zartan or something like that. I love the Cobra Twins. My favorite I still have, though, is Cobra Commander. Yeah. But I also loved Flint. Okay. Those so are my faves. I got a lot of G.I. Joe from thrift stores and yeah. stuff, so I never really knew all their names. I mean, I watched the cartoon, and most of these toys we name have oh, yeah. a counterpart cartoon. Tune, but Storm Shadow is oh one. yeah, there's Cobra Snake yeah, Eyes. I, I, Snake Eyes. I liked most of the Cobra because they were so fucking cool. They and were GI sweet. Joe kind of like yeah, they're cheesy. They're like the doofuses, and uh, all the the Cobra characters were awesome. And then they're all the vehicles, oh. and some of them are so good. What I wouldn't have been like, could you imagine having the USS flag? That thing took yeah. up an entire room. Yeah, what's well, nuts? You, yeah, you'll see them occasionally now. It's nuts. Yeah, even incomplete ones now are over a thousand bucks yeah. a piece. So I. I wanted to be inclusive and include a toy. I mean, to be honest, you kind of played with them a little bit as a kid. Barbie. Okay. You know, everybody kind of played. Like, boys wanted to pull their shirts up, see what was going on, see what the situation was. Funny thing is, though, I literally liked a tweet from Jenny Johnson this week where, you know how they're doing the Barbie movie with Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie? And she said, unless there's a scene in this movie where Barbies are scissoring each other and having a threesome, it's not a true Barbie movie. I don't see anything wrong with boys playing with Barbies. No, I don't either. I don't either. Because, like... we all did. You enter. You have a mom. You interact with women, you know, as you should all the time. Yep. Like boys playing with Barbie. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing oh. wrong with girls playing with boys toys. Whatever. Yeah, no Play shit. with any toy. But Barbie created by Mattel. The first Barbie came out in 1959. Has spun off into animated shows and movies. I've watched some of them. Terrible. Coming soon, as Jim mentioned, the Barbie movie directed by Greta Gerwig, which is insane. It looks awesome. The best thing over the last six decades, there's a Barbie for everything. Oh, yeah. There's like literally astronaut. Barbie, fast food Barbie, wrestling Barbie, 
East like, German Barbie. East German Barbie, Vietnam Barbie. There's like <laughs> every, there's everything. There's so many. And we have all of them at my oh, house because yeah. I have two small daughters. Yeah, the original Bar Rescue Barbie yeah. featuring hot, John Taffer. Hot dog onions only. John Taffer loves plain hot dogs with onions. I don't get it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ketchup and mustard, people. My next one, brought it up real briefly. I'll never forget the first time I got my Nintendo Entertainment yes. System. Yeah. Throwing it back old school. You would go to Toys R Us. All the video game, the video game aisle was the most amazing thing. Yeah. Everything had tickets. Only thing you saw were the card backs of the games. And then all the systems would be behind lock and key with demos being played. Yeah. It was the coolest thing I'm, ever. I'm so thankful to have grown up when we played both a shit ton of Atari. Oh, yeah. I'm a little younger. That's than what you, I grew up we with. We played a shit ton of Atari, but yep. we kind of were post Atari. But then we got the NES. Oh. We got the Super Nintendo. Sega. We got Sega. We got Nintendo 64. Yep. Dreamcast. Dreamcast. PS1, PS2. PS2. Yep. Sega Saturn, Jaguar 3DO, oh, yeah. all of those. Sega CD. Sega CD. So you had all these systems all like during our formative years, basically yeah. from small childhood through high school and college when you're really. And now to me, video game systems are computers. That's all they There are. is much streaming services and, and oh, yeah. playback devices and stuff. And you can still play games, but like, I mean, we've joked about it forever. We, Jim and I have always said, we have an idea for the Kevin Awesome machine. Oh, yes. Which is like a new system that has modern graphics and all of that, but no online, no DLC. No updating. No updating. Yep. None of that. It's still, you put in a disc, you put in a something and you play the game you want to play. It would be great for certain people Love because it. I am one of those people that I like, it is annoying new systems that don't even have options for physical games. Well, it's not just that it's the games they release aren't complete. So then they give you a patch. Yeah. It's going to take like fucking six hours well, to update. Microtransactions are a, a terrifying thing. It is. It started with video games. And did you see about BMW now? No, now what? All of the new BMWs are equipped with heated seats but you have to pay a subscription to use them. Oh, eat my ass. That is the future. It's microtransactions. Bullshit. It's like, well, you can buy a car, but if you want like third gear, you gotta... guys, we're going to microtransact the pool check. Yes. Right. <laughs> you want to hear number two? Yeah. Send $5 to our Venmo. Yeah. Do it, please. Um, there was a Barbie video game on NES. Hideous. Yeah. Horrible game. Terrible game. But uh, yeah, so I, I really, I'm thankful that we grew up in those systems. So many great memories. It really started all to fall apart around PS3 and 360. Yeah. Because 360 get Red Ring of Death and was releasing games that had no business being released, like on launch. I agree. And then PS3 came out so much later, not so much later, but later than the 360. And then they wanted $600 yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, $600. And then there were no games. There no. were like no games for it forever. Yeah, so... A lot of like experts are saying now they could see one more console cycle and then that's it. But then what? Probably just straight on streaming. That seems to be the future. You just play on your TV? I think so. It makes sense. You integrate it into the TVs. Okay. Cheaper overhead cost. I would I would get totally into that. If there was like just a, a television streaming. Well, if you look at Xbox Game Pass, it's kind of the yeah. precursor. I don't really know anything about those, but it's like if I download the Xbox app and the PS, the PlayStation app on my TV. Yeah. And then you can just purchase games individually. So it'd be great like a Netflix model. Yeah, like Netflix model. Exactly. Yeah. My number three, Masters of the Universe. Hell yes. From Mattel, the figures came first in 1981. Then the animated series followed. So it actually wasn't toys based on a show. Nope. 
It was a show based on toys. And then they had to put it in little comics to advance the storylines of the characters. Yeah. If you watch on Netflix, the toys that made us yep. the Masters of the Universe episode. So great. Later, we got the rad live action Masters of the Universe movie. Kevin, I think that might be something we eventually have to cover. We have to. Wow. My favorite thing for a long time was Masters of the Universe toys, which I just called He-Man. What a new He-Man oh, yeah. toy. I remember, I remember going to theater to see the Masters of the Universe movie, which I would have been real young. And when I got back to my grandma, my aunt Martha gave me Moss Man or something like she had bought me a yeah. figure because I had went and saw it but some of my favorites Scare Glow Skeletor Moss Man Stinkor some of the worst Clamp Champ oh yeah Rotor I think it's actually named not Rotor I think it's Rotor, Rotor. and Twistoid God those ones are well they're all re- they're all re-releasing yeah. now which are awesome because yeah. weirdly enough as a kid never got into He-Man yeah, I loved them I loved the smell of them like I'm nostalgic yeah. for how the rubber head smell yeah. and stuff. I like my number one pick is uh, an example of this too, but master universe, just like by the later series ones got so ridiculous. It was over. They're the just top. like, we got 26 different snakehead guys. And we yeah. got like basically a bunch of versions of the same guy with just like a different head. They got real dumb. That's what they do now with like wrestling figures. It's just a variation of paint scheme yeah. and all that yep. shit. So my next one kind of sticking with the video game thing. Well, not kind of, it is the Commodore 64. Oh, nice. Now, before the NES, I'll never go nor my aunt Steph's house. Her sons had a Commodore 64 and it blew my mind. I'm like, oh, this fucking computer's awesome. Playing all these like pirated games. It was crazy. Yeah. I played Bruce Lee and like Action Biker. So, of course, like two years later, I ended up getting one for Christmas. I still have it to this day. Still works. So many memories of eating frozen mega brand pizza tasting like cardboard, chili dogs, and playing Bruce Lee on Commodore 64. All the memories just keep rushing back every time I play it. Remember, kids, Load, shift two, asterisk shift two, comma eight, comma one, run. Yep. Put in that code. Wait 20 minutes, go eat, go take a shit, come back, game's ready. Yeah, you just sent me the link to the running man. Yeah, uh, which I awesome. need to get. You do. Number two, I'm kind of taking a cheap way out, and I'm just picking professional wrestling figures. Oh, yeah. LJNs, Hasbro's, so, yeah. Galoob. Yep. LJNs were... WWE, the big rubber dudes. Yep. Galoobs, mm-hmm. WCW, WWF Hasbros. And then it got into like Jax, which. Yeah, it kind of fell off. Was sad. Crusher. Sad. Jax is sad because that, those toys came out in the hottest era of wrestling and ever. They looked like shit. They were so bad. The Stone Cold, it's like. Alien. He was so skinny. Stone Cold and, Alien. Like, it's like they were hard plastic and then jazz wears and then Mattel Mattel now is doing some pretty cool stuff. Really good. Yeah. With throwbacks and, and this and that, uh-huh. but those figures are great. I mean, they pretty much have traditionally always made figures for everyone. So it's like, no matter who you liked, yeah. how far down the roster, eventually there'd be a figure. We'll find out next week's episode if i'm able to procure this friday morning the san diego comic-con exclusive two-pack no holds barred try rip and zeus yeah it's saturday friday at noon eastern yeah, friday noon eastern 9 so, p.m pacific what's your favorite wrestling figure of all time i can't think of another one one that really sticks out to me weirdly enough because i have a lot of memories as a kid the sting galoob i also have a special place in my heart for ron simmons and butch reed i Doom. i loved the four horsemen four pack oh it was so good because it just came on a card yeah it was just a card with four bubbles but it was 
Flair, Arn, Barry Windham, and Sid. You know what's bad about those Galoobs? And I love them so much. You couldn't do anything with them. Well, looking, so yeah. right here in front of us, Jim's got the WWF Hasbros, which looks so fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. They're my least favorite toys to ever play with because they just, they're like cartoony and they move, but like some yeah. of them move weird. I liked, I had problems, not that I played real rough or anything, but I had problems with Hasbro where like every once in a while you'd get a finger that would break oh, off yeah. or something like that. If playing with them, but like with LJNs or Hasbros, oh, you scuff them, but oh, yeah. there's no breaking them. What's great about it, I love buying LJNs that are kind of fucked up yeah. and repainting yeah. them. Yeah. It's a great thing yeah, I love to do. clean them up, repaint them. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I now I like the Hasbro's a lot more than I used to. Nostalgia is like, nostalgia over. because of how cool they're kind of stubby and, and stuff, but they're good display pieces. They're awesome display pieces. So my last one, my number one, number one is my Holy Grail toy, the Knight Rider pedal car. I had this so much as a kid as a huge Knight Rider fan. It's kit for God's sake. What I wouldn't give to have this car again, it goes for so much money. I used to wash this car. I used to wear the stickers out. You couldn't see what the hell it was. I kept all my stuffed animals and my puppy upper upper, which was my number one stuffed animal that puppy upper upper. I called him puppy. And then I just called him puppy upper upper as a kid. He used to be a real stuffed animal dog, but I used to suck my thumb and carry him everywhere, okay. but literally wore the stuffing out of him. But I'd put him in the trunk. Nice. The doors would open. If somebody out there has a hookup or connection, please email the show because I'd love to hang this in the studio from the ceiling to look like Quaker State. The sad thing is, is if like, I mean, you know, if you ever, you're going to come across one of those yeah. somewhere and some guys could be like $8,000. Yeah. I mean, even we I saw have limitations. Well, you saw a McDonald's pizza box for oh, yeah. $300 or something. Yeah. So like you can only imagine what they're going to want. Absurdity. Number one. Number one for me, pretty easy. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, God, yeah. I had a green luggage suitcase full of them. If I'm not mistaken, the first figures based off the late 80s, early 90s cartoon were made by Playmates. Yes, they were. And ran for almost 10 years. So since then, there's been NECA ones. There's like all sorts of like Ultimate Edition. Oh, the Super Shredder. there's like ones based off different things and, and stuff. But the third wave, the third line, is generally considered the best, but that's like when they got real weird. They had like Surfer Mike, Undercover Dawn, Ray Filet. Yeah, Ray Filet, Samurai. Ray Filet might have been four. I loved Ray Filet. Uh, Samurai Leo. I don't think I've ever seen Ray Filet in person, ever. I think I have once or twice. Um, Slash, Wingnut, Mutagen Man, Pizza Face, Muck Man. Those are all three. Yeah. That's when I got real weird. I'd say to me, Series 3 is when playability went down. And the figures became like way more toyetic and for display. Yeah, displayability. Because some up. of those are fucking awesome they're, to look they're, at. They're very articulate. But like not like I had Pizza Face. He had a like a peg leg yeah. with a cleaver, and he came with all the shit. You would lose it. It was so. It's just like all these starting to come with all these parts and stuff. That turtle van. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's the other thing I was gonna say. There were like big big sets there were vehicles there was the technodrome oh. there was the the um turtle blimp oh yeah and there's like all these like crazy huge yeah just nuts there were kenner star wars real ghostbusters these are honorable mentions yeah. happy meal toys do you remember captain power yeah captain power they're buy metal yeah you had to buy it was a vhs tape the toys would interact like a nintendo zapper with the tv in the episode yeah i used to love captain power hot toys which are talk about collectible just for 
for display. Oh yeah. Some of those are hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's really obviously going to be endless. Like so many a ton. toys. Anything else you want to talk about with toys? I mean, we could probably do a whole episode. Let's do a swim meet series on toys. toys. Yeah, so, all right. If you got nothing else, let's get back in the pool. Make a wish, fucker. At low prices every day. What? It was under the line. You said it had to be over the line on a serve. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You said it had to be over the line on a serve. No, I did not. Now give me the goddamn ball. What's well, cheating? Give me the goddamn ball, will you? No. Give me the ball, you little shit. It's my serve. Give me the ball. Give me the goddamn ball. I never said that. Yes, you did. Uh, this is probably a lazy critical question. What would your Zoltar wish be? I wish I was debt free. Yeah. <laughs> the adult. If I got to speak to an adult wise, yeah. If it was not money based, my wish would be able to go on a world, like a world travel. Well, mine would probably also be financial. Yeah. Like, How bad is I that? I wish for my student loans to disappear. Yeah. Or I wish for free universal health care. I wish for a better government. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big one. I wish we were in a third world country. Exactly. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's David McCall time. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Oh, boy. I could be big. <laughs> so you got to let me go first. Because oh, I got to get this off my chest. It's a lot. So I will say, bear with me. But also, if I trigger something, chime in. Gotcha. The tremendous amount of trauma for all involved. 12-year-old Josh is going to spend the rest of his life haunted by the six weeks he was a sex-having adult with a job. And that's, is that what he grows up to look like? Do you think he divulges this to his parents ever? Well, that's, I'll get in that in a second. So he knows what he looks like when he grows up. He is forever going to have, like, he's going to know what he grows into. He had sex as a 12-year-old. Like, his whole life, the trajectory yeah. of everything has changed. He's going to Mickey Rourke his face. Josh's mom thinks he was abducted. So she'll probably double down on thinking her son is ruined and never believe the truth. Because if she asks him, she has PTSD, she has PTSD. And if she asks him like, what did, did they touch you? Did they, you know, what did they do? And she's going to want to put him in, in therapy, which he probably does need. Uh, yeah. But for different reasons, I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about it and she won't believe him. She has to spend the rest of her life thinking about the six weeks that her son was abducted by kidnappers for no reason because they didn't ask for a ransom. Nope. They did not assault him nope so how is it explained ever i think in a way it's gonna drive her so nuts maybe she goes down a certain path where it's like the point of no return yeah. like for her mentally yes like maybe she does something she shouldn't do I, I was thinking if i were josh if he were smart enough the answer that i would give to make his mom feel at ease would be like because he called her and he said it's kind of like summer camp i got enough to eat and am perfectly safe they say I'll get out of here in a, about a month. In the meantime, it's a lot like camp. They're not hurting me. They're letting me eat. I get to go outside. If I were him, I'd be like, it was just some couple who were trying to use me to scam money from the government. I totally think. 
I don't know. I feel like his mom is going to go on a mission. Like she needs to start like saving kids more because I think no matter what he says to her, she's never going to believe him. Yes. And it's going to keep them two somewhat apart. Yeah. Because she's never going to want to let him out of her sights. Right. Ever again. So we're assuming she called the cops. Oh yeah. There because had to be he's an on milk cartons. Oh yeah. Susan has to live with the fact that she had sex and true romantic feelings for a 12-year-old boy. It's going to forever make her question after the fact why her most serious connection she ever had was with the personality of an actual child. What is so special about Baskin? He's a grown-up. And you know that ruins every future relationship she ever has going forward. Yes, because she's like, the best relationship I ever had was with a man who is a 12-year-old. Now, question. Do you think she comes back around and say nine years time? No. When he's 21? No, that's horrifying. That's a scary, like, sequel. Yeah. She has to go back to work? Oh, yeah. How do you explain any of that? How do you explain where Josh went? Exactly. It's not like he handed in a resignation. No, he fell off the face of the earth. I have a bunch more. No, but keep going, dude. We can play off yours. The first time he made the wish, he woke up big. So he made the wish at night. He went to sleep. He woke up. He was a, an adult. The next time he wishes to be a kid again happens in like an hour. Exactly. What's the science or magic behind the wish? Well, first off, why does it need to be unplugged in order for it to fucking work? Exactly. Exactly. So how do they explain any of the Zoltar? Also, why did it make him in his 30s? His wish was to, to be, be big. big. The reason he wanted to be big is because he couldn't ride a ride. So if that was it at the core, couldn't it have made him like 18, 18 or literally big enough to ride the ride? Yeah. Could have made him 14. <laughs> it could have made him big enough to ride the ride, which is how bad that movie would be. Yes. He gets to ride the ride. He's fine. Yeah. And also, is he small for a 12 year old? I was going to say, what would the height be to get on that loop to loop? I thought it would only be like 48 inches. He's not. He's bigger than four feet yeah. tall. Well, that's what I mean. Kind like of why is, is that? he so like how tall do you have to be? You'd be seven feet tall to go on that encapsulated death ride. So what's the fallout? He has a lease in an apartment. Yeah. So who do they go after? He has a lease in an apartment. Again, when he goes for the interview, they said, oh, you're missing some numbers on your social security. And he says uh, 12. And they yeah. fell it in. Even back then, they yeah, were verifying fraud. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to go after somebody. Like, I don't I don't understand how he's getting paid. I don't understand any of well, that. Well, even if they go back into records and they find a Josh Baskin, we're like, the kid's 12 years old. That's not the guy we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Josh is 12. The girl that he likes, who he thinks likes him, has a boyfriend who can drive. So is she older than Josh or is a 16 year old dating a 12 year old? I think she has to be at least 15. Okay. So, so he's at least a 12 three. year old who thinks yeah. he has a shot with a 15. I think so. Yeah. Susan has lung cancer, right? Dude, she's nonstop, like puffing darts, Ripping like darts constantly. Time. So this one, a little weird. He's actually 12, so maybe he doesn't realize this. But he, it's almost like at one point, he's debating on whether to stay as an adult. It does seem like Or that. go back to being a because kid. Because he's in love with Susan. Susan, I'm not what you think I am. What do you mean? Before I met you, I was in Little League. Um, I was in Little League, and I rode my bike to school, and I played with my friends and hung out with them. And jo Josh, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? I want to go home. I miss my family, Susan, and I want to go home. He goes for a walk in his neighborhood where he lives and he sees kids playing and stuff. And I think that's what seals the deal. He wants to be a kid again, but he's returning to the scene of the crime. The mom 
thinks that grown-up Josh is the kidnapper. If yeah. mom spots him walking oh. down the street, he gets arrested. And then... First off, would you not have a detective sitting out in a car, like somewhere on that block? I don't know. I mean, so it's like... He would match the description of oh, what I'm God, assuming yeah. the mom gave to the police. Imagine if he got arrested. He's never turning into a kid again. No. But they can't charge him with kidnapping if they can't prove it. I mean, I don't know. It's That's like a whole can of worms. It just seems like a really bad idea that he went back to his own neighborhood. That would have been an interesting twist if he decided, I'm not going back. And yeah. there's, there's going to be a near 20-year gap in his life. Well, that's why, I like, I think it's 17 again, the Zac Efron, Matthew Perry one. He's, not to go on a tangent, but we've talked about it before with body swaps. When he's 17, he's got his whole life ahead of him. He's going to get a basketball scholarship. Right before he goes out to the big game, he finds out his girlfriend's pregnant. Oh. So it's like his he doesn't go to college. Yeah. So he gets a chance to be 17 again and get to do it over and then it's like so it's it's a nice fascinating twist because then it's like well do you want to stay a kid again or whatever and then this one's weird too so he returns back home he walks in his mom's like josh josh is that you does he get held back in school for missing six weeks or do they like feel bad for him and do they advance him or like was this summer i'm thinking they wouldn't add to the trauma in which they think he's gone through and are just like keep going isn't that kind of a fail? Like, you You'd know what I mean? think he's like, incomplete grades. Yeah, like he missed. It's only only six weeks, but yeah. it's six weeks of school that he missed. It's like, huge. You can't pass. He seems obviously like a smart kid. He's but, 12. He'd be in what, like sixth or seventh grade or something like that? Then, yeah, probably. probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lose a lot there if you don't go to school. I should know that because I didn't. Yeah. Do you have any logic? I mean, I think, you, dude, you covered pretty much freaking everything. There's there's more. I mean, there is definitely like more when you, if you shut your brain off, watch it's a great movie. Oh yeah. But it's like, when you start thinking about some of these things, you're like, he should have stayed an adult. There's too many, like too many problems. If he goes back to being a kid again, I would like to have seen the movie like a sequel. He's just still big. And then after the second movie, he decides to be a kid again, but he's been gone for three years. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of, a lot of weird stuff weird stuff uh what is the legacy of this movie tom hanks was nominated for best actor oscar oh, yeah zoltar wasn't a real machine it was developed for this movie but now you see them everywhere well but not, they don't look right no though. not everywhere but like where you'd expect them at tourist traps and arcades there was a 1990 pilot for a tv series which i actually think could be a decent series in like a quantum leap sort of way okay but it wasn't picked up imagine a kid in an adult's body having to navigate like Life from the perspective of a child in an adult's body. Would it be a comedy? Yeah, I mean, it'd be just I mean, like the movie. It'd be I think. slapsticky. Yeah. It became a Broadway musical in 1996, but closed after 193 performances. There's a 2004 Indian remake called New, and Fox announced another TV remake in 2014, but it didn't happen. Yeah. No video game. No, unfortunately. <laughs> but there's like, uh, you could have switched back and forth between being you know collect yeah. little zoltar coins and yeah and you went between big josh and little josh and like you needed to be big little, josh and little josh little to do certain things and big to do other things That'd be cool yeah i mean it's awesome i mean it's you'd see how much money it made it's, it's weird weirdly enough wholesome movie yeah very wholesome. it's a wholesome but, banger but but weird it's it's sort of in a way one of those movies where it's like who's it for yeah because the demographic it's not really like my kids like saw me watching it last night and they were like this is weird they're just like, this is weird what are you watching this is weird i wish i could be 12 years old and get man i have a shot with a 30 year old woman yeah but then see if you think of it from the romantic perspective and like 
as a romantic comedy. Well, then adults, aren't they a little skeeved out by like watching a movie where a woman's in love with a 12 year old? Uh, nowadays, absolutely. Yeah. It's a different time. I don't think you could get away with that implication in a movie nowadays. There's no way. We didn't mention the uh, racquetball scene. Oh, that's great. Where he won't give the ball because he said he cheated. You didn't have to punch me in the nose. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. All right. Uh, stick around for some plugs. Hello, pole seniors. This is the American Zennial. Michael Kalenich. You are listening to my favorite podcast and probably yours too, the Pool Scene Podcast. Pool Sceners, thank you once again for checking out the podcast this week. And don't forget, if you guys missed an episode, check us out. Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and other podcast listening sites. And while you're there, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow. Hey, you leave us a five-star review on Apple, we choose it, you win a prize. It's just that easy. Also, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, TikTok. Yo, we're trendy, at Pool Scene Pod 1. And once again, guys, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And now, back to Kevin. All right, final app guy, what do you wish for? Yeah, the final lap. I guess he just wishes for the final app. <laughs> so uh, speaking of remakes and stuff like that, I don't know if you've seen this yet. I've seen some images floating around. Oh, Lord. They're rebooting Fletch with John Hamm. Really? Yeah. Which is like maybe okay because John Hamm's pretty good. Yeah, he's versatile. And Fletch. I didn't know there was such a demand for a Fletch that's reboot. That's what I mean. Like Fletch is kind of under the radar to most people. Like, it's a I great mean, Chevy Chase. Well, it's a franchise. It's two yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fletch lives. Is yeah. That the second one. So yeah, there's uh Fletch appeals to us, you oh, know, yeah. certain audiences, but like why who is like gotta bring Fletch back? Who's a good Fletch? John Hayes. You know who is a pretty top-notch Fletch expert? Mag CH. Oh, okay. He loves Fletch. We'll have to let him know. Damn straight. Let him know about the reboot. The other thing, I mean, it's like Jim said, there's a bunch of these always, but today, the day we're recording, which is July, Wednesday, July 20th, National Hot Dog Day. There's fucking a hot dog day all the time. Yeah. Well, we have the Harry Stevens Hot Dog Day. Yeah. From what I understand, Niles, Ohio, my uh, my hometown, Harry Stevens is responsible for introducing hot dogs to like baseball games or something. Really? Yeah. So that's why they named a day after him. <laughs> It's like that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where the guy <laughs> in the wheelchair said his grandfather created the Cobb salad. Yeah. And then Larry finds out that he's full of shit and he didn't create the Cobb salad. Yeah. It was Bob Cobb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's like Niles, Ohio, celebrates this Harry Stevens guy for his contributions to hot dogs. But it's where's like, his proof? Yeah, exactly. That he created the hot dog at a baseball game. Yeah. I, I don't know. Nobody thought of that shit no, before. It's not. <laughs> Maybe Harry Stevens could have played uh, Fletch, but uh, there was John Taffer video. I thought he was going to hit it out of the park. So I sent Jim a video and it's John Taffer sitting at a table with a bunch of condiments. I'm like, my first thought is what is, he's got to be hawking something. He's got to yeah. be pitching something. What Taffer is the, dogs. What is the point of this? It's just John Taffer and his very, Jim does a good John Taffer impression. And uh, it's just John Taffer sitting there at a the table and he's like, I am an amazing hot dog guy. I love hot dogs. I've had them all over the world. Now, if I was in LA, I'd go to Pink's. I'd get a chili dog. I'm not in LA. If I was in Chicago, they'd throw everything on a freaking hot dog. But I eat Nathan's hot dogs, which are from New York, and it's an all beef, delicious dog. And to throw all this shit on this hot dog, 
That to me would be a crime. So I am a purist and I go with a plain dog, little onions. He eats a plain hot dog with, with onions. onion. I love John Taffer. John Taffer, friend of the show, follows me on Twitter. Love you, John. What the fuck are you thinking? It's a dry dog. It's weird. No, I've never no condiment, no, no, no ketchup, relish, no mustard, nothing wet, nothing. No. The dry dog, just a dry dog. And could you imagine if you just ate plain hot dog? At least he has something on it, but it's still kind of stunning knowing who John Taffer is. Onion only. Like there isn't some sort of Taffer sauce or Taffer slaw. Oh, there should be a Taffer slaw. There has to be. I'd love a Taffer slaw. Speaking, I guess it has nothing to do with John Taffer. We had a very Youngstown thing occur here this weekend or this past weekend. Luke Bryan came to town for all you country music fans out there. Me not being one of them. And of course, the most Youngstown thing ever happens a fight breaks out at a luke bryan concert luke bryan shuts down the show and it's during like a love song during a love song he even says i saw a video of it why the fuck are you guys fighting during this song it makes no sense fight during another song i guess some drunk guy put his finger into a guy's chest that was twice his size or the dude was like six eight three hundred pounds because i got like an insider tip and then he was just fucking prodding him and the guy fucking hauled off and decked him yeah so i was like that's the most youngstown thing ever yeah welcome a nationally known act to youngstown probably for the very last time well that was like two years in the making too because that's when it was like covid and different things and it's been canceled and rescheduled and stuff Youngstown concert scene is so weird. You know, we spent years having nothing, or if we had something, it was occasionally at like Stanbaugh or Packard. Yeah. Which Packard's not even in Youngstown. It's in Warren. But I saw Huey Lewis in the news there. Yeah, but they built the Cavelli Center for hockey, and they've had like Elton John. Oh, and yeah. Bob Dylan's been in. They've had some like huge acts Still there. blows my mind. They still have some big ones. And then a cr- Billy Joel. Right across, fuck Billy Joel, right across <laughs> the bridge. They have the outdoor amphitheater and they've had some big names there already. And what Youngstown's really missing is like that grog shop mid size, oh, yeah. like a couple hundred people. Venue. Well, they but, used to have the Youngstown Agora that used to be. Yeah. Huge. Which, yeah. Cause Youngstown Agora had like kiss and like ACDC. Yeah. Like Led Zeppelin. They oh, had like a bunch time. of people, but I mean, thankfully West side bowl exists and they've got capacity for oh, yeah. stuff like that for, they have like an upstairs downstairs sort of situation. Not Luke Bryan, not Luke Bryan, but Good. like, Types of punk rock bands. Oh, and hell stuff. yeah. Like, and tomorrow at Westside Bowl, well, shit, it's going to already have happened by the time this episode's released. That's right, but whatever. Promote but it. But we will promote it. Um, Youngstown Comedy Syndicate will be at Westside Bowl. Thursday, July 21st will not be the only time they'll be there. I know they're doing an uh, open mic thing. A here new coming thing's up. coming about. Yeah, so follow uh, Youngstown Comedy Syndicate. A bunch of our buddies have been on the show. And we'll be on the show again soon, I'm yep. sure. Yeah, go follow Youngstown Comedy Syndicate. Go to the show all over town if you're local or come in from out of town. Fuck yeah, it. why not? Fuck it. From Australia, fly over. I don't care how many 16 hours. Huge Crocodile Dundee 2 fans. <laughs> Huge. All right. Well, it is the banger season, so it'll be another banger next week. That's right. And until then, Silencia. Hey, it's Pharrell, and next week on the Pool Scene Podcast, Shane Herman from the Youngstown Comedy Syndicate's coming in, and guess what movie we'll be doing? Guess who's getting some class? I'm going to college. Rodney Dangerfield's going back to school. That's what I call marine biology. Hey, boys, here's a couple of pens in case you learn how to write. Okay. <laughs> 
I used to dream about going to college. This is the way I always pictured it. Clint, when did you dream about going to college? When I used to fall asleep in high school. Here's a book on sex education. Let me see that. He's not just the big man on campus. Hey, folks, it's on me. Shakespeare for everyone, okay? Uh, you too, honey. Ooh, I like to tame your shrew. He's the wildest man on campus. Shake it up, baby! Say when. Right after this drink. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, back to school. Baby.